Hello, and welcome to another Nine Circles Audio Thing. I'm your host, Buke, and on this audio thing, I'm interviewing Ben, the guitarist of death metal band Endseeker. Ben, how's things going today, buddy? Oh, everything's going uh, pretty well, I'd say. Like, we have beautiful weather today, and the record just came out last Friday, and we played a pretty cool uh, live stream release concert show on Sunday, and I couldn't be much happier. That is, that is wonderful. Yes, we are talking your guys' latest release, Mount Carcass, came out April 16th through Metal Blade. And if there is ever an album that is what I listen to, the style, if people like what I like, this is another one that I highly recommend. This is this is old school death metal. This is true again, just in the vein of Swedish death metal. It, this is it. So, Ben, tell me about your guys, uh, how you navigated the pandemic and everything to release Endseeker. Yeah, the, the crazy thing is like every country over here in Europe handles it totally differently. And that's pretty weird. And like in the first place, like when the pandemic started, I thought that Germany was performing pretty well. Uh, we had like some kind of an okay lockdown. Mm -hmm. We were still allowed to do certain stuff, but the numbers weren't too, too high. So everything was fine during the summer. It was like, I mean, you, you could basically go anywhere and, and it was okay. Of course, there weren't any concerts at all. So no cultural life at yeah. all. Even the great Vakin, everything was shut, shut, shut down. Everything was shut down. Even the small club shows or yeah. even the small open air festivals, uh, whatever, you know, you name yeah. it. And, um, you know, do, well, but now everything's pretty fucked because like the vaccination thing's going so slow over here. And it's like, we're still like, we're in a lockdown for half a year now and nothing's moving, you know, the numbers are still going up and it's not the, they don't seem to have a real strategy to, to deal with it. It's more like it's stagnation and it's every, everybody gets pissed off, you know, by now, but. That is, it's, you know, I, here in this, the States, sadly, we've, you know, some 500,000 people or so, insane numbers have yeah. tragically lost their lives to it. But I was able to get my vaccines um, and I suffer from heart failure and an autoimmune disorder. So mm. the last year I was locked away like a damn troll hiding under a bridge. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah. And I hear a bunch of other countries, sadly, I can't speak for Germany, but you know, the virus, the, the sorry, the uh, vaccine, the rollout has been really slow. Yeah, yeah, it is over here. They like, I think something went wrong with the EU in general. They just ordered not enough of this shit. Yeah. No, now we're sitting here and waiting for this crap, you know, like, and they starting to, to vaccinate the old people first. So everybody like all the, the younger people, mm -hmm. you know, those mm -hmm. who are, tend to be more active and more, on the road, uh, they have to wait longer. And, you know, of course, people get annoyed. Uh, and then, then you take a look over to the U.S. from from our point of view, and then you get vaccinated in the Walmart or whatever, you know, like yeah. everywhere. And it's and here it's like, a, oh, man, you, you, I don't know. It, it, it's a strict order, and you have to wait forever until it's your turn. Yeah, but, it's, yeah that's how it started here. Like, you know, the... 
senior citizens, you know, those who were most uh, in need needed it. And now it's yeah. to the point where just like you said, you can go to your local supermarket and get it now. Uh, which is, you know, Ben, which I, I really is interesting now because a, a couple of the artists I've I've spoke with, I'm not in a band. I don't, uh, I've never had to record that, but I can assume recording is a process in a perfectly normal time, you know, trying to navigate, you know, being a husband, uh, you know, or just working and being a father. So how was it with the added stress that you guys are doing this in the pandemic? Actually, it was way less stressful than really? under normal conditions. Yeah, it was. That, okay, was it in a sense? Was it like a like <laughs> something you guys like a breath of fresh air, like kind of break the mold, maybe like get out from being locked in? It was just um, like there was nothing else to do. You know, we didn't ah. have any distractions. You know, when we were like when we decided, like, you know, all our tours and shows got canceled mm-hmm. in like I think March or April last year. And then we were sitting there and like, well, holy shit, what are we going to do now? <laughs> so uh, are we waiting this out? And nobody knew how long it would take. You know, no, that's, not, that's not a good option, just yes. sitting here and waiting. So we decided, oh, yeah, let's write some songs. Let's just see where it goes and how long it takes. And then all of a sudden we were just totally inside of this creative songwriting bubble. And, and we're so focused on that because... We didn't have to be prepared for any shows coming in, you know, so we didn't play the old songs for a year or whatever. And um, just were creative songwriting, sending files back and forth. And during the summer, we were able to meet and, and in the rehearsal room and like play together. And I think like a- around August or September, we were done with the songwriting. Then we booked studio for November and we checked with the local authorities if we were allowed to go into mm-hmm. studio, whatever, blah, blah. And everything was fine. Everything was okay under the, under our like circumstances. And we had we had like good uh, hygiene concepts and stuff. Um, so we went into the studio super well prepared because <laughs> <laughs> because we, you had nothing else to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we couldn't go out and get shit faced, you know, and yeah. whatever, and and forget about rehearsing and and practicing. No, we were super well prepared. So we went to the studio. Everything was super smooth, and um, we we got out there in time. And that's it, you know. Well, you know, Ben, as as someone who who loves this album, uh, maybe bottle up this time and maybe be like, "Hey, guys, let's uh, you know, let's uh, keep it going here." You know, it's a it's a good time to keep the juices flowing. Let's maybe <laughs> bang out another apple while we're we're uh, sitting here. No, thanks. No, no. I think <laughs> I think it takes it takes quite a while until the next record. But but I think we we try to um, keep this kind of working uh, routine, mm-hmm. like because all the other albums we did, we wrote between shows, between tours, and stuff, and there, we were always busy, and you're always distracted by stuff. But this time, like we when we were when we were done with the studio, we were sitting there and it's like, man, this is maybe a good type of working, you know, that we just take half a year off playing, not a single show, nothing. We're just away songwriting. And then we go into studio and start the whole thing over. You know, it's um, now Ben, you have been in other bands. You're in the band buried in, in black. And it's really interesting. To, I have to ask, how have you personally, uh, learned over all these years for recording or being a guitarist that you that maybe took you a couple years to learn that now putting out you know 
six albums or so, you know, be between the bands and demos and stuff and your old projects to yeah. now with this, what have you learned after all these years that, that uh, took you a little long time, a little bit to learn that maybe you wish you could have told early Ben. Oh man. That's, <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, like you learn with every single time that you yeah. go into studio or that you go on tour, maybe with a bigger band mm -hmm. or play larger festivals. There's always, a lot of stuff to learn from like um, the old guys, you know, and yeah. um, like watching them, seeing what, what is their routine, how do they behave on tour um, and stuff. There's, there's so much to learn, man. I, I, good God, I, my first recording sessions were totally chaotic <laughs> and nobody was prepared and we're like, yeah. I don't know, trying things out and, um, after a while, you you realize, okay, I have to prepare. You know, I have to practice that shit. I and the the better I pre be, the better I'm prepared. The more money I save because I need less time in the studio. Yeah. Studio time is fucking expensive. You know, <laughs> it's a fortune. Right? Yeah. So I, I have to bet you growing up, one were your inf influences were you influenced personally by like the running wild and the gamma ray and stuff like bands in your backyard or uh you looking more of like the swedish were your intro or was maybe even metal not your gateway into wanting to be a git guitarist no 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 it definitely was metal and okay. i started i started listening to metal very at a very young age i think it was 8 or 9 years no hold on i was I was uh, 10 years old, I remember, because it was uh, 1988. Okay. Uh, and um, I have an older cousin, and he gave me a cassette, and that uh, contained uh, the uh, Ride the Lightning from Metallica. And I put it in my cassette recorder when I was back home, and I was holy shit, what is that? <laughs> you know, this I love that. And then the next time I saw him, I gave him a bunch of tapes, and I said, put some music on there and he put like all the metallica records that were out at that point which were like the first four and some slayer and whatever some megadeth stuff like that and i was absolutely addicted to that and and then i pulled up some some posters of metallica in my in my room and then i remember there was this uh there was a pretty iconic poster of metallica with the with this weird monster from the from this EP that they did, like uh, was I don't know, am I evil or whatever? You okay, know? and and there were life life photos beneath that monster, and one of them was like James Hetfield with a white flying V guitar, and I was standing in front of this poster. I want to be like this guy, you know? Yes, and this this yes. looks so cool, and I, mom, I wanted to play the <laughs> guitar. You know? So I took guitar lessons when I started, like when I was 11 or whatever, I started taking guitar lessons. And after a while I bought the songbooks and learned, like played all the Metallica stuff. And then like other music popped up for me. Like, you know, I got totally hooked up by Pantera. Oh, that, that was, that was my gateway band. Yeah. I, I think still this day, my, my favorite band. Yeah. Uh, that, I could see, is that a, over your left shoulder, is that a dime guitar there? Yeah, it's a Washburn. It's yeah. it's from from that uh, era when he was signed to Washburn. Oh, I, and, uh, you know, as somebody who doesn't play guitar, I was always just blown away by what Dime was able to do. Yeah. Now maybe you could speak on it better than me. How was Dime as a guitarist? It, 
one of the greats, right? It, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. Like for my, it, I mean, it, it, all, it always depends on personal taste. It, and uh, preferences. Yeah, certainly. But um, like for me personally, there's none better. I mean, he has such a incredible groove and flow and intonation. And uh, like you hear one note and you know that it's him. It's yep. uh, you cannot copy that. It's absolutely magical. And when you watch him play, I, I mean, I've seen Pantera a couple of times live and stuff, and I, there is nobody who wears a guitar as natural as he does. It, it always looked like it's a part of his body, and and he played the craziest shit with absolutely no effort, and drunk as hell, and that was yes. super impressive. Yeah, you know, I once heard Kerry King was asked what's the greatest riff of all time and a lot of people would say oh smoke on the water and blah 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 but he was <laughs> like no pan pantera i'm broken yeah just that no 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 it's just such a classic e easy riff, but killer and all the riffs like his riff for walk and oh my god we could go on and on and on the yeah. work that he did was amazing that literally for a of a four piece you know he carried it he was enough he sounded like he was three damn guitarists playing absolutely oh yeah. when? And, and also his solos they were so good that you didn't oh. even miss the rhythm guitar underneath it he was just fine with the bass playing the rhythm part and him soloing over it and it still sounded thick oh. and full and uh dude his his outro at the end of floods can bring a tear to my eye oh i absolutely love that yeah so yeah. when when did you catch them? Because I I'll admit I got into music late in in my years. I I was more into video games and playing football uh growing up, but you really didn't have time for music. So I actually got into metal when Reinventing the Steel actually re released. Oh really? I, I was like like 17. And I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, holy shit, what is this? Now look at me now. I'm <laughs> hosting metal podcasts and thousands of metal vinyl records later. But when, when, when luckily I caught Pantera two times, uh, no, three, three times actually on their final tours. Yeah. So when, when were you, you able to see them? Uh, I saw them, um, first time I saw them was on the uh, Fabian Driven tour. Oh my God. Yeah, that was probably the loudest concert that I have ever been to. I was deaf for three days afterwards. That was crazy. I went to the doctor and said, I couldn't fucking hear a thing. I was on a concert. He said, yeah, well. That is awesome, yes. Just pray for <laughs> for your hearing to come back. Exactly, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, lucky enough, it came back. But yeah, that was absolutely sick. That was insane. And, um, and then I've seen them on uh some dynamo open air festival over there in okay. holland and um i've seen them on the on the last tour that they did uh in berlin and but that was that was weird you know because you know I, i'm as i said i'm a super uh, fanboy and and um i knew a guy from the record company and and he was there and he came up to me and gave me like a backstage pass he said hey man do you want to come backstage like and see the band i was Dude, of course. Well, um, and then we went backstage, and that was pretty. Um, 
that was pretty awkward because everybody back there was so hammered, you know. I, seeing their they home were, videos, I could imagine it. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, that wasn't fun. They were all just like fucking zombies, the, you know. You, I, oh, my God. Holy shit, Ben. I'm so glad you just mentioned that. Not because it's a, I, I want to hear that they were zombies, but the first time I saw Pantera was at OzFest in 99 or 2000 i was i was like a little kid on the first day of school bright-eyed bushy-tailed <laughs> so excited for them uh, they come on stage and phil is so drunk yeah he's, he falls back into the drum riser he's not even singing the lyrics and it is as if like uh my parents were telling me they were getting a divorce or something i was yeah. like <gasps> What the hell is just happening here? It was horrible. I was devastated. Yeah, same for me. I was like, <laughs> I mean, they were walking past me, and I didn't even talk to them because I thought, like, I'm, dude, you're so fucked. I, I, there's nothing I want to tell you. You know, it's <laughs> it's terrible. And then they went on stage and they played play pretty good. I mean, like Phil was pretty wasted, but the rest of the band was absolutely flawless. But you know, like. I, I was I was backstage before the show and there wasn't a single drop of alcohol left in the whole backstage area. I was talking to the tour manager and he said, "Oh well, they had like nine bottles of whiskey today, and I had to send the runner to the to the gas station to get some more." Wow! And I was like, "Holy! Oh, how are they even alive?" I couldn't I couldn't play a single note drunk like that. And there yeah, was I I had heard stories uh, of Metallica. You know, when they were the alcoholic days, that yeah. they were, they could put put down some, you know, some alcohol. Especially James, <laughs> you know, James is still going through treatment now for yeah. his alcohol uh, issues. But I heard those guys back in the day could put down. But when yeah, you did see Pan, Pantera, did you ever get to see them put on a good show? Like when, when Phil was on his game? Because luckily um, when I did see them, the subsequent times after that Ozfest, the two times they were on the ball. I've seen uh, I've seen uh, a lot of down shows later so uh, where where Phil was sober and and super yeah. fit, and that was pretty cool. And uh, I saw him with his uh, solo stuff with the illegals thing, but he played half a Pantera set. That was pretty cool. Very small club, uh, very intense. Um, but like Pantera, I think, unfortunately, I somehow missed the glory days because on that on that um, uh, Far Beyond Driven tour, that was, yeah, that was cool. But I think it was already like going down and, and like the peak of their performance was on the tour before for Volga Display of Power. That, that was where like my older friends uh, saw them opening up for Megadeth and they fucking blew Megadeth out of the club. Yeah. You know? Everybody left after Pantera. And that must be uh, pretty embarrassing for uh, Dave. But uh, now, yeah. You know, Ben, I, I hate to ask such a uh, question that I assume is probably asked a thousand damn times in interviews done every day. But do you have, you know, since you're there in Germany with, Vakin and you know you're in this hub of all these amazing European festivals. Do you have a greatest live show or live band you've ever captured? You've ever got you got to witness? Sorry to put you on the spot. Because I, I I personally give you a second to think. I saw Ronnie James Dio and the Sabbath guys when they were Heaven and Hell. I saw them in the early like 20, 
2011, 2012 or so, that was my greatest concert experience ever. Ronnie and the and the guys were amazing. Oh man, that, that's really hard to tell because there are like so many good shows, but they're on different levels. Mm -hmm. Good, and I mean, if I don't know. if if you don't, it's fine. I was just yeah. No, no, I don't think no. Okay. No, yeah, it's, it, it's just it too is. many. I, I, I cannot choose. I cannot choose. <laughs> but as you, you said, like I'm, I'm really in the middle of all these European you, festivals, you are, so I you are. really, I really have the chance to see a lot of bands playing here, like every year, at least when there's no. Have pandemic. you been to Vakin and stuff? Yeah, sure, of course. Okay, I, I, I have to ask. One of our members has has been. Is it something you would? If Vakin wasn't close for you and you were like me here in the States, would you rec recommend coming or is it, is it a hassle, you know, trying to stay there and, and, you know, you worry about, I've seen pictures of like, you know, German summers when it's knee deep in mud and you're in some tent that may be next to a bathroom pit or maybe just uh, kind of make the whole experience part of Dude, it you, you never <laughs> know i mean like Wacken is, is pretty much in the north of germany so yes. the the weather there is pretty unstable and i've experienced like a Wacken, uh weekends where actually i've been knee deep in the mud <laughs> You know, you couldn't barely walk because because your your shoes uh, were like almost in the mud. Yeah. stuck in the mud. <laughs> it, it was really hard work. You know, and your legs aching the next day yeah. just from walking through that shit. But um, it's super large. I think it's the largest metal festival on it earth. It is. It and, is. And yeah. um, it's pretty. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty intense. Um, I personally, I like it a little a little bit smaller. Uh, so when it comes to festivals over here in Germany, I would prefer the Summer Breeze Festival in Southern Germany over the Wacken mm -hmm. Festival. Oh, okay. But the Wacken is cool and it has a lot of entertainment also going on, like uh, next to the uh, shows itself. There's a lot of other stuff to see and experience and that's fine. And I think like for when you, when you like have... If you see it as kind of a metal holiday, then it's fine, you know. Yeah. But you have to be open for some more circus kind of stuff than just the metal shows. I because think. you know, it always struck me so cool that you would have, like, in one day you could see your immortal, and then like to running wild. It was it was like you could see such stark. And then hey, well, you know, a power metal band like Avantasia is like uh, finishing it off. You know, yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, so, so you say summer awesome. breeze is the the better one, and I'm just looking here, like uh, you know, next year, like Testament, Paradise Lost, Exodus, Flesh Gods, pretty good billing already lined up. It is, yeah. I mean, it's probably the second biggest festival that we have over oh, here. Oh, they're they're actually doing it. They're actually summer breeze 2021. They're going to be doing it this this they're, year. They're trying to do it. They just worked out uh, a, a hygiene concept, and uh, and it, it were like uh, super, super uh, many uh, sign scientists involved in the planning, whatever. And they just worked this out over months, and they handed this this paper now over to the government and asking for permission to run the festival. And if it's if it's taking place, I'm there because. As I said, this is my favorite festival. It's like normally on, on, on the normal conditions, it's around like 40,000 people. 
it's it's a good size uh the ways are not too long and the people that are running the festival are so cool i know okay. a lot of them personally because i work uh, in the music business and stuff and and we played there two times already and it's uh it's great it's yeah i was just about to see i'm seeing bands i love here i'm seeing glory hammer i'm seeing Probably the heaviest, most disgusting band I know, but this band Gudalax. Oh God, those <laughs> that you do you, do you know of them? Yeah, yeah, we, we oh. played uh, we played shows with them. Before. I can't even describe their their stuff. <laughs> Holy shit, are they on it's, a different it's noise? Level. Yeah, it's just noise. <laughs> but the but where I was going with all this is is I don't see a end seeker on here, Ben. Yeah, we we played there in 2017 and 2019. Yeah, but you guys have uh, a new album out now. Come on, Ben, we gotta get on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're uh, we're working on it. Let's yeah. let's put it this way. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Okay, but 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 if it does get worked out safely, would you feel? Hopefully, you get vaccinated. Would you feel safe enough to go if the government yeah. and everybody says go? Absolutely. I mean, it's open air. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty hard to get infected open air. That's what everybody says. Yeah. That's what all the scientists say, you know, like okay, stay away from indoor shit, but outside everything's cool, you know, as long as you're not too close together. But when you like widen it up a little bit, you know, put a little less people in there and stuff, like uh, then I don't see any. Problem. Are they allowing Bundesliga matches to have fans in attendance? No, I think no fans allowed. But I'm not a football fan, you know, yeah. or soccer, how you call it. Yeah. It's that's not my thing, you know. I don't care if care about it. And so, <laughs> Do you watch any sports? I'm a no, hockey fan. Hockey's no, no, my no. thing. No, 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 no sports. No, <laughs> no sports. <laughs> okay, so getting back to your your guys' music, I I have to ask, when did you discover the true boss pedal that is your sound? When when did you discover this holy grail of uh, that is the tone that you guys play well um uh, i discovered that sound like somewhere somewhere in the 90s when i uh got in contact with entombed you know i yes. listened to i i don't even know what entombed song i think it was the hollow man ep or whatever okay. i don't know and it was like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> and what is that guitar tone but at that point I wasn't into pedals at all. I was just like uh, like playing around with different amps and stuff. And I, what amp is it that sounds like this? It must be some kind of Marshall or whatever. And I don't know. I, I didn't even think about like maybe it's a pedal that, that does the sound. So it, it took me uh, took me a bunch of years uh, to figure out. Oh, it's that pedal, alrighty. But uh, by that time, it wasn't even produced anymore, uh, and uh, I was. I, know, I didn't have any money. I was a teenager. Yeah. So I didn't buy it on the flea market. So uh, I just, I I don't know. I bought my first one, I don't know, seven years ago or something. And it's, it is, uh, you, you guard it with your life now. It is. It is. <laughs> so you quickly mentioned Entombed. Uh, sadly, we lost L, LG, just passed away. Did yeah. you ever have an experience to meet meet them at all? No, I think I'm the only European metal musician who didn't meet LG and uh, got drunk with him. Um, I, I know a shit ton of people who met him. Um, I never did, unfortunately, because I heard that he was uh, such a cool guy. Um, but um, still, like his passing was pretty tough for me because his music means so much to me. And like 
when it comes to death metal, I think that Entombed's probably the most important band for me, next to Bolthrower. Oh. And um, yes, I don't know, like LG's voice was so special and was so cool. And I think he was the best death metal singer of all time, especially on the Hollow Man and Wolverine Blues uh, era. That was that's the best uh, death metal vocal performance ever recorded, and uh, you know, like normally it's like when when musicians or celebrities die, that it, it doesn't touch me that much. You know, it's like okay, yeah, people die, but uh, but this time I was really I couldn't listen to any Entomb for two days because you know, like uh, I was uh, about to start crying and stuff, and because I don't know, um, this loss of this person that I didn't even know. Personally, uh, I don't know, touched me so deep, and there was there was weird, you know. I was even dreaming about that shit, and um, yeah, it took me some time to get over it. Um, and on our uh, release show that we played on on Sunday, we um, played a cover version of "Supposed to Rot," um, which we also had on our first EP that came out. So we thought it's it's a good time to put this back into the set list, you know, just to uh, show some respect. Well, you know, you've you may never have, have met him personally, but you look at the course of, of your life. Yeah. You know, you look at where you're at now. It's yeah. because of him. So I could definitely see that. You know, it's the without same. him, yeah. without him, we wouldn't talk now. That's exactly for sure. That's exactly for sure. exactly. So your your whole life, something that gives you so much enjoyment, something that has taken you across the the, the world and different sites and yeah. has given you know, so yeah I could definitely see that it's, yeah, it's Yuri, the same. Uh, Yuri our other guitarist he put it pretty right he said uh, maybe I wasn't LG's friend but he was mine wow. you know that's a great uh, that's a great so if really interesting you know to lead into that if if you were to get people into music into say death metal. Would Wolverine Blues be that first album you maybe slide them? Because it was my intro to Entombed, and it's probably a great, yeah, it's a great one. It's uh, and I think it's like the most accessible one because it's it's not too extreme. It has this 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 death and roll touch, which makes it more easy to get into this. Yep. And and his vocals are more open and more tonal and stuff, and not not too growly, not too far away from actual singing. And um, I think this this is the easy way into the death metal thing because the, uh, at the end of the day, the vocals is what uh, what is a problem for most people that don't, that are not used to death metal. So when they get something that is, puts them in a little more easy, uh, it helps them to find their way and like to get used to that. You know, but, and that's a, that's an interesting thing too that you say because you know death metal has so many different subgenres and stuff, but the style you guys play and you're entombed and I have always found it the most accessible type that, that, that I keep going back to because it is you can you can you can hear the lyrics you can hear so many different parts of it when a lot of other forms of death metal is just this molded up mash of, of, of noise, nothing right. wrong with that. But I personally lean more towards this style. Same for me. I now, mean, you, that, that's where we play this. <laughs> <laughs> now you, 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 I have to ask you when, when you found the rest of the guys, how, how did that happen? How did you 
find these like-minded group of guys to form and and seeker here how did this come about well actually uh the other guys found me <laughs> okay okay I, I was i was the last one to join the band um like yuri and kuma so the the other guitarists and the mm-hmm. drummer they founded the band they played in different bands together before so they know each other pretty well and then they they started writing some songs and they um they knew agat our, our bass player from around because like in the local music scene you know each other and um, they asked him to to join, and he was he was up for it. And I played with Eggert in Buried in Black before together. And then they got Lenny, the singer, who also uh, sings in, in a in a technical death metal band over here in Hamburg called Devastator. And they were like pretty much complete. And then Eggert called me up one day, and he was like. Um, uh, he was like, oh, man, I have this new band, you know, with, with those guys, blah, 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 blah. And we're still looking for a second guitarist. So what about you? And I was like, oh, no, so I, I, <laughs> I, I need a break from metal bands. You know, I played in so many bands and they were all totally unsuccessful and it was pain in the ass, you know. And no, no, I'm not in. And he's like, oh, come on, think about it. And I was like, no, oh, no, I'm not the guy for you. And then he, and then I asked, then I said, you know what, send me, send me demos if you have something. And maybe I know someone who wants, uh, who's, who's the right guy for you. And he sent me some demos and I pressed play and I picked up the phone after 20 seconds and said, hey, dude, I'm in. This is insanely good shit. So, um, so I, I went there and I auditioned and yeah, that's it. The rest is history. The rest so, is history. Man, look yeah. at that. That is, that is, is, is really, really cool. Um, so I have to ask you. Know, people can't see them hanging on your walls, but your guitars now. What what do you play now? What is your end seeker rig that that if if you you know could describe it now? Well, uh, we're endorsed by Solar Guitars, you know that guitar brand from Ola England. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I got three of them. Just it's just two of those hanging at the wall at the moment. So there's this flying V over here. And um, that's the the newest one, the the Black Explorer. That's that the is, one that I that uh, I will use the term. That is a, a sexy piece of mis- machinery there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it is. And um, and I have a I have a red version of the Flying V as well. So these are my three guitars that I play in in, in Endseeker. And um, yeah, then we have like obviously our pedal boards. Actually, we don't play the original uh, Boss Agent Two anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, we uh, we play um, um, the Kiltone Grindstein, which is a pedal from uh, from like a boutique guy over here in Germany, and sounds insanely good. So this is what you hear on the record. You know, it's uh, the tone is absolutely insane. Now, but I I have to ask because this is what fascinates me. Like not being a guitarist <clears throat> myself, how how much searching goes into finding like pickups you like or finding that pedal you like or like, do, did, did it take yeah did it ta- <laughs> are 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 you constantly tweaking and trying new things before you finally found hey this this is it yeah but you know there's not the point for this is it you know the tone chasing never ends because uh on the on the last record we played different pedals on the record before we played different pedals 
it's always like you you're when you when you find new sounds and new gear you always get inspired and stuff and and i'm super interested in stuff i like the technical aspect of it and i like mm -hmm. like uh, playing around with gear and um also i i also write for guitar magazine you know i review stuff so like like this Jackson Kelly over there. This is uh, this is a guitar that I have to review for a guitar magazine. Um, so I get so they send me stuff so I can try it out. And sometimes I I get in contact with some pedal or amp pad or whatever. That oh this is cool. Maybe this is something that I could use for myself. You know. So um, I get the chance to try a lot of things out, and I really enjoy it and I like to dial in sounds and find different different approaches and stuff. And, um, well, you know, I always loved the HM2 sound, but I always thought there's something missing. There's, it's, it's a little muddy and, and not as articulated as I would like it to be, um, especially for our kind of songwriting and stuff. And yeah, not, finally we found that Grindstein thing. And for now, this is my most favorite pedal, but I don't know if that's still the case like when we, where we're in studio for the next record. It could be something different, you know, that pops up in the meantime. I don't know. So I I, I, I just pulled it up. Do Can a bad guitar be saved by a pedal or a preamp or uh, a speaker? Can, can you say, or is a bad guitar always a bad guitar? <clears throat> To a certain point, you can you can save the sound, but I mean, when it's really bad, it's really bad. Mm -hmm. And but uh, it's we we get into the more religious kind of area, you know, because like where does the tone come from? And a lot of people say the tone comes from here; it comes from the fingers, yes, not from the gear. And to a certain point, that's true. I mean, when you when you hear people like. Um, Dimebag or Eddie Van Halen or whatever, you know, when you hear them play, they could play on any guitar and you still could tell, oh, that's this guy. Because it's so much of the tone in their fingers. But... Um, because yeah. you, because the, the soul of the guitarist can transfer to anything. Right. Yeah, but, True, but, 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 but just to a but certain degree. The, yeah, but at the end of the day, a Fiat is a Fiat. A Fiat's not going to be a damn f for Ferrari. <laughs> Although it's the same company, but yes. yeah, you're right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have picked a different, a different brand. <laughs> but, so in some but, way, it is yes. a Ferrari. <laughs> oh, God. Well, out of all the car makers to pick. But so, you know, so that's interesting. So that bad guitar, though, can you put good pickups in the bad guitar to make it even better? But or is a bad guitar like the 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 build? Like when you re review guitars, what are what what ruins a guitar more than anything else? Like for mm. if if somebody's listening to this and they want to buy a guitar, you know they just got some extra tax money back or something. What what or like what are some buying like what makes a good guitar to a bad guitar? If you're recommending or saying. That's just the, actually it's just one thing. It's like, do you do you like the guitar or not? Like, oh. it's, there's there's a saying like it says like it's not that it's not you who chooses the guitar. It's the, the guitar. guitar who chooses you. And that's true when when you when you go into the shop and and you try different guitars, you know, and you just take them from the stand and and sit down with it and and grab the neck. You know instantly if you like that guitar or not. 
and I have bought so many guitars uh, in a shop just by touching it and, and and it was like oh whoa this feels like it's a part of me this is great I have to get this I don't let it go and and there can be guitars that are super expensive and super high build quality or whatever but it just it just doesn't transfer you know it's it's not matching with you and uh, so you know I really like the the sound and the style of the telecasters guitars but they I cannot play them it's impossible for me they just feel like they're away from me mm-hmm. and they don't they don't get to me and um, they don't speak to me but other guitars yeah and it, it doesn't matter if they're good or bad you know and whatever when it comes to build quality I mean like there are super famous guitars like like for Tom Morello his guitar is like I don't know, constructed out of garbage or whatever, basically. Uh, I've read an article, like, it's, I don't know, it's not the original neck. and, and I, But he decided, okay, this is my guitar. It's probably not the best guitar. I think maybe it's maybe it's bad. I don't know. Yeah. I never touched it. But he's, it's my guitar, and that's fine. I'm, now, I get you know, along with it. If you weren't, you know, having a sponsorship and deal, do you find yourself loyal to one maker like i know mick mike from opeth prs is his thing he's played prs for years yeah that's just what what he likes and it 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 fits him and stuff do you find yourself having any brand loyalty even if you weren't sponsored to what you like yeah actually it's solar guitars because yeah um it's it's the next you know it's i have i have pretty small hands for guitars yeah, so I, I got fat stubby hands too yeah, so I'm, yeah not, I got, I, I'm not saying you do but i know I no, but i got <laughs> super small hands you know my my hands are as big as the hands of my wife and it's true it's it's not a joke yeah. and uh, so for finding a good guitar for me is not that easy because a lot of good guitar players have super large hands and they can like uh, act pretty well with chunky necks or wide fretboards and stuff. But it's super difficult for me to get along with that. So I need uh, I need slim necks. I need uh, narrow uh, fretboards and stuff, you know. And um, those those guitars, when I touched my first solo guitar, I was like, oh man, these necks are built for me. This is insane. This is great. And it feels so natural for me to play on this. You know, this this flying V over here, that's that's a Gibson high performance flying V from a couple of years ago. And it plays super crazy good. But then but the fretboard is just too wide for me. It's it's not feeling hundred percent comfortable for me. So it's always a little struggling for me to play on that. And yeah, if if I have to choose a brand, I, I totally go for Sola all the way. Uh, yeah, absolutely love their guitars now i you know i could talk like this stuff for hours i saw an interview where you know zach wilde every morning having his cup of coffee you know plays his uh, frets and does his scales and stuff every single do you do anything on a daily basis or weekly basis just to to stay fresh um i don't i have not a real practicing routine but i play guitar every day oh, okay. you know, like okay. uh, this this room where i'm in now uh, i mean this is just a small piece of the guitar collection you know there are way more guitars over here in the area that you don't see and i'm i'm surrounded by guitars all day because this is my office this is this is where i spend all day and this I is where the magic in. happens yeah you know <laughs> this is where i do my day job but yeah. you know you, you have like a couple of minutes here and there 
And every now and then I just grab a guitar, you know, and just uh, shred some songs and then I put it away and, and go on with my work. And I need that, you know, I need those creative breaks and stuff just to focus again on the work. And uh, so, yeah, I play every day, but not like a super tough practice routine. So that I only do that when when it comes to shows or tours or studio. Yeah. Interesting thing I just thought of. That I'm fascinated with artists of any caliber, you know, being a, somebody on a piano or a drums. As a gu guitarist, you know, for maintaining your skill set, but is there something you're you're always trying to achieve is there something like in your personal skill you you wish was was better because i guess when i'm 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 trying I'm trying to understand like you know we mentioned dime or like a, a zach wild here they're the the greats of the greats what 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 more could they ob obtain like does it get to a point in playing a guitar that you have i don't want to say master because you probably can never master anything but what is the hardest skill for you that you continue to, to work on or you think you could Im improve? Play our own songs properly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, like, um, as I said, I started playing pretty early, but I never focused on soloing and stuff mm -hmm. like that. You know, I always was more the, the, the chugging rhythm guy. You know, yeah. I was always fascinated by... Headfield's right hand and stuff. So I was more into timing stuff and heavy riffs, but not that uh, yeah. crazy solo thing. So I totally left that out. And actually, I wish I would have practiced this more when I was younger, because now I'm I'm 43 years old and I'm not going to learn it anymore. You know, <laughs> I, I don't have the time. I don't have yeah. the brains. You know, it's like this is this is it's not going to happen. You know, I just try to play stay as good enough in shape to play our own songs um like good on a stage that's it you know this this is fine for me because after all this is this is a hobby you know I'm, I'm not i'm not gonna make a living from that i think they're like they're the i don't know how many death metal bands on the planet can can live from their music 10 or something yeah, ten, yeah yeah maximum 10 yeah. Like who is it? Amon Amarth, kind of a corpse. Opeth, you know, there's a couple of them. Opeth, yeah, but yeah, it's it's really it's very few. So, and I don't I don't even want to live from it, you know. I just I love my day job and so, and I want to want to do this for fun. But you know, you mentioned when we were talking, you you are a father, right? Right. Have you introduced your kids? Have they picked up any interest in guitar? Because I'm a father of a little six year old girl. I try and get her, you know, I try and guide her into daddy's music, but you know, she, it hasn't, uh, I, I don't want to force it on her. Cause then she will make sure to never, ever listen to it. And she'll go into like hardcore gangster rap or something. Yeah. <laughs> the worst case scenario. <laughs> exactly. So how has, how has, has been the father, you know, done with his children and their music or guitar have you or they just have naturally picked up an interest in wanting to play or um no they at a certain point they were saying stuff like hey we want to play the guitar and i was like yeah okay cool i ran to the store you know bought <laughs> guitars here you have it you know there's the teacher take lessons yep. whatever you know 
Uh, they super fast lost any interest in it. Did they? Uh, they? They barely don't touch the guitars anymore. So I really that was. Is it, is it something you and your wife share? Does 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 she play? No, okay. she plays a little bit uh, ukulele, but okay. Uh, that's, uh, but, ah, so um, so the the dream of of passing your guitars down to your children is. Uh, well, I I mean my 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 daughter is ten, my son is thirteen. And okay. Uh, I still have the hope that at a certain point <laughs> they maybe I'll develop some interest interested yeah. in it, you know, because, um, yeah, well, I mean, this, this house is filled up with guitars, you know, and I always said that you just, you can come up to me anytime and ask, can I play this or that guitar, you know, and that's fine. And we have amps here, whatever you can crank that shit up, you know? <laughs> um just go for it if you want yeah. to experience with uh, experiment with that absolutely you know i'm totally up for it um but it's not happening at the moment and i don't want to force them of course you know? and, of course and of course i tried to to bring them into metal music when they were younger you know and i kept playing that over and over for them and my daughter she still listens to a bit of metal like at least together with me you know we can put on some some metallica records or ghosts or some whatever you know yeah uh, uh, even some Slayer stuff. She kind of, she kind of enjoys that. But when she listens to music on her own, it's something totally different. Somehow. Well, you know, children. You know, we we always. You know, I see even with my six year old. Oh, Dad, stop! You're embarrassing me or something. But when you go out with your your you know your your son and daughter, you know, it's older than mine. Are are they like, oh, this is my heavy metal dad over here? Because you know our listeners sure. can't hear you, but you're all tatted up with a nice beard and stuff. They they're like, oh, man. sure, they like to show off, you know, and they <laughs> of, of course they know that I look different than. And the other dads you know uh, yes uh like very different so and and they they enjoyed that you know and they they always tell everybody who my dad plays in a band and he just released a record and stuff you know and and that's fine i mean that's cool and when i can i also take them with me to concerts so nice they, uh, yeah, I've, I've took them to some festivals and to some single shows and whatever and they really enjoy uh like seeing me on stage because you know, when I think back about my own youth and I thought, man, if I would have had the chance to see my dad on a stage, you know, playing a fucking death metal show, yes. how sick is that? You know, that's yes. a great memory. And they just like the whole thing, you know, I, I don't, it's not, it's not so much about the music, but, you know, it's their dad is like the center of uh, attention and, and he's on this stage and acting like a idiot, you know, and, and, uh, it's loud and everybody's cheering, you know, and then he has to I have to give autographs and all this stuff, you know, that for them, it's like, it's, it's a weird happening, you know, it's, it's big entertainment and they have a story to tell afterwards. That, so that's that cool. Is cool. How, how were you know, a couple of questions here and I'll, I'll let you go about your day. I'm having a blast talking with you, but how, how were your, your parents when, when, when you, you know, you mentioned your story earlier about, you know, their Metallica tape. Were your parents uh, welcoming to you wanting to start playing and playing the music that we love? Um, if, yeah, I, my, my parents were very supportive, like in, in any kind of hobby that I started. Yeah. They were always very supportive. Uh, actually, they, they didn't like the music that I was listening to, but I didn't expect them to like it. Yeah. I think that would have turned me away from it. Cause I wanted to be different <laughs> and, um, uh, but I was allowed to listen to whatever I wanted to, 
um, there were no restrictions or whatever. And uh, when I wanted to play instruments, but yeah, they totally supported me. And and then I I remember that not long ago after I discovered metal music, so I was like, as I said, I was like ten or something. I got this uh, uh, Metallica Master of Puppets back patch, and I had this this denim jacket. And I went up to my mom and said, "Can you please stitch that? Like, can you sew it on the back?" You know. Yes. And she was like, oh my God. I mean, I, as I said, it was the 80s, you know? And then she was like, mm, yeah, okay, but you're not going to school with that, you know? So that was the rule. <laughs> and then and then I got like, like the, the wristbands with spikes, you know, and, and stuff. And and at some point I got a bullet belt, you know? And as yes. she was like, and leather pants. And she was like, oh my God, you know? So like, yeah, okay. In your free time or, you know, you can, you can wear that, but you are not wearing it in school. Yeah. I, it, it, your mom and dad look at you now with the full sleeves, tats on your hands, everything. You're just, man, you, you have really gone in. Yeah. But, but they're cool with it. They're totally cool with it. You awesome. Know? Hey, you know what, but I, you know, to any out there, parent out there listening, I, I, you know, as long as, you know, your, your kids aren't out there hurting people and being an asshole, let, let, let your kids do whatever. Yes. Yeah, let them go. Yeah, exactly. They have to find themselves. That's super yep. important. Yep. And if you're, if you're watching over them too intensely, it's not going into the good yep. direction. Yep. So really quick, last question. You guys have a couple of videos out. The Mount Carcass video just released. It's, it is awesome. The unholy rights video is so much damn fun. That is that that sums up why I love this damn genre. It sums up why I I love this this music. You want to speak on rock filming these these two because I they're a blast to watch. Well, actually, the last one, like the the Mount Carcass video, uh, we didn't shoot that. Um, like a guy from from Canada yeah. uh, shot it. Um, he contacted me over Instagram like uh, half a year ago, whatever, and he said, man, I really just got discovered your band, like your music, and I would like to make a, a music video for you. And he's a yeah. filmmaker and yeah. stuff. So we started talking, and, he, and and suddenly it happened, you know, and he sent me like pictures during the the shooting. And he rented this studio, and I was shooting this 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 mountain climbing scene. It was like, oh my God, that's great, that's sick. But the... The uh, unholy rights video. Yeah, the un unholy rights video is the one that really I want to talk about. That yeah, is. that's that's um uh, yeah that was basically my idea because I'm uh, I'm a content producer I'm a video uh, video guy and obviously I didn't shoot it myself because I'm in the picture but um, a friend of me uh, took over the camera work but um, like. I, I set up all this stuff and I had the idea with the zombies and I did the, all the, all the editing and stuff. And I really, I, I wanted to make a zombie video for a long time and that was finally happening and it was so much fun. It was very difficult to shoot it because it was like uh, during a pretty strict period of the lockdown and we had to kind of work a little bit under the radar for it uh, so we rented this this hall and it was freezing cold like it was freezing point you know uh, zero degrees celsius and, and you know and the the girls like dressed up as zombie cheerleaders they were barely wearing any clothes and it was super cold in there and it was a tough day 10 hours of shooting but we had so much fun when we like fooled around with the, like the the arm 
and and the, and the fingers that that Yuri loses during his solo part, you know, and stuff, and all the blood and stuff, and it was it was good fun. And uh, yeah, we had some funny videos before for uh, our previous records, and we always loved to have this little bit of uh, funny side to it because you know we're we're not that we're not tough guys or or you know like the yeah. the bad guys you know we're we're pretty handsome <laughs> we're pretty funny when you, <laughs> yeah. when you hang out with us you know it's it's a good time so and and we do this for fun so and we want to transport that you know we want to transfer to the people now do i have to ask we have a segment here at nine circus where we review and we talk about horror movies i am not into horror movies i am as part of this segment, I am being introduced to the whole horror movie genre, opening my eyes to this awesome world of horror movies. Do you are you a horror fan? Yeah, I yes, I am. I was much more when I was younger, and it kind of faded a little bit away um, at that point when I got kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me more sensible for uh, like uh, uh, f- yeah, extreme violence on screen. Yeah. Um, there's certain stuff that I just don't want to see anymore. Um, but still, there's some some stuff that I can really enjoy. But I like, but I like when it's more on the subtle kind of level. You know, like when you think about the first Alien movie, where you you barely see that fucking creature. You know, it appears like for I don't know two minutes or whatever in total. And <clears throat> but the the whole atmosphere that's so scary. Uh, I really like that and. Yeah, and I like a lot of this John Carpenter stuff, though. There are people that say that that's the greatest horror movie of all time. It's the best science fiction horror horror movie of all time, for sure. Uh, there's none better. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I can even get down. You know, I have a hard time with like the uh, the real cheesy horror movies, <laughs> like the soup, but like like an Evil Dead or an Army of Darkness, I can get behind. But like the real cheesy, like. <laughs> fake like when when it looks like so fake i'm just like oh, i can't even really you know what the first horror movie that i watched was nightmare on elm street and again i was super young i think i was 10 or 11 years old you know it was the same the same period of time when i yeah. discovered metallica and again it was my cousin my older cousin who took me to a friend's house and he actually gave me a beer and said, "Okay, we're watching a horror movie now." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, hanging with the with the You're big like, guys, yeah. you know? Oh yeah, fuck yeah, let's go for it, you know." And I drank this beer, and it tastes like shit, obviously, yeah. because I was a kid, you know. But and we watched Nightmare on M Street, and I was scared to shit. Yes, yeah. yeah so it I was, was too. It was absolutely horrible, you know. And I couldn't sleep for a week or whatever, you know. And I was crying in bed i was absolutely devastated and my mom was like what is wrong with you you know and at some point i say oh i watched a movie with a guy with like <laughs> knives on his fingers uh, you know he was just... in he was in people's dreams yeah right you know but i, do, I didn't went too much into detail because i didn't want her to know that i watched it with my cousin you know and, and there was beers alcohol and I, all this stuff you know she she uh, she wasn't allowed to know that so i had to be a little careful what i'm what i'm telling her but you know i got over it and and whatever and somehow it, it's it fascinated me so i continued watching horror movies and uh, obviously it didn't touch me that much anymore but um uh, I, I went back to uh, the first Nightmare on M Street movie uh, like a couple of years ago 
and I rewatched it and it was like, dude, this isn't even a horror movie. This is a comedy. This is this, the whole movie is totally goofy and, and ridiculous. How was I ever scared of that? But that's when I th started thinking like, oh, oh my, there you have it. You know, like the, the brains of children work on a total different level. I was, I was so scared as a little boy. I was scared of Chucky. That little oh, yeah. guy scared me to death. <laughs> that little, you know, you, you, you give a little doll a knife. That scared me to death. Yeah, he had a pretty scary face. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> well, he absolutely. also does have red, red hair, and all red hair people are scary. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> so, I, I, last guy, I have to ask. Uh, also, Germany, the home of um, I can't drink anymore because of my heart failure issues and my health. But amazing German beers. Are you, are you a fan of beer, and do you enjoy yeah. drinking? Yeah, I'm a, yeah, although I'm not drinking at the moment, okay. uh, I'm, somehow I'm in a period of not drinking, but uh, in general, I absolutely love beer. Um, uh, you, have a, you have a favorite? No, because no. there are like too many good beers and for different occasions. And But I, in general, I prefer the beers coming from uh, Southern Germany. Okay. I think they're, I don't know, they apply to me better than the northern germany beers although we have some good stuff up here but the the uh, especially the bavarian beers i really love that there's so much good stuff down there have you and they have way more breweries than we have <laughs> have you taken part in oktoberfest festivities over the years have you been to big brew halls and stuff uh, yeah i've i've been once to the oktoberfest and i'm never going there again really yeah, yeah that was absolutely <laughs> terrible like the the level of drunkenness and I can imagine aggression from the people. I mean, like, yeah, alcohol makes certain people aggressive, but that was, I mean, I've seen so many fist fights there and, and so much puke everywhere, passed Ugh. out people lying Ugh. everywhere. You know, it was like, oh my God, where am I? You know, this is Armageddon. This is terrible. <laughs> And I totally felt unsafe there, you know. I was, yeah. I was, I was scared to get in some kind of fight any moment, you know. Like, okay, everybody, stay the fuck away from me, you know. <laughs> it's so look, funny, you know, thinking about look all... as badass as you can, you know, like <laughs> stay away. <laughs> you know, all the, it's so funny because all the shots they show us over here in the states must be when they just opened the beer hall because you. You see these lovely beer waitresses, you know, carrying 12 steins of beer and everybody's happy. But, you know, the puke's not on the floor yet. You know, the piss isn't in the corner, you know, because yeah. it must be at the start of it. That's right. The it's like, it's it's crazy. It might, I mean, it has those two sides. There is the funny side and there's the super enjoyable side, but there's a pretty dark side to it too. And um, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that once. Uh, that's enough. You know, I yeah. don't have to go there anymore. Like when this shit is happening, I'm not going to Munich. <laughs> you know, I'm somewhere yeah. else. It, 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 isn't it so funny as we get older? Like I've mentioned before, like young concert me when I was 20, get me in that front row for like that super joint show when I were down show and I couldn't <laughs> yeah. hear for five days or three days, just, just like you. Now, when I go to shows, I want to be by the sound guy. If there's like some dude blocking my vision and some drunk is headbanging me and this sweaty <laughs> hair is whipping me in the eye, I'm like an old lady. Like, get out of my way, please, so I can yeah. see. Let me yeah. enjoy the, the show. 
Yeah, don't yell so loud. <laughs> yeah, shut don't up, yell. man. <laughs> yeah, shut up. We're trying to enjoy the show. But yeah, back when I was probably like a 20-year-old, my God, I'd want to be there, you know, dancing on the tables. And it's so funny how we uh, but you know, change. You know, when I, when I go to a concert, I feel like a fucking hypocrite, you know, because <laughs> when I when I go there as a visitor, you know, I want everybody to stay calm with me. I want to see that, you know, and then don't, don't scream in my ear, you know. Yeah, okay, thanks. Don't spill my beer. Thanks a lot, you know. Yeah. But when I'm on stage, I want everybody to go wild down there, you know. Yeah, try to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, but... Yeah. Ben, it, it is it has been a a blast to talk to you. This is one of the best interviews I've I've ever had. It's it is a, oh, well, a true a, a true pleasure to speak to you again. Mount Mount Carcass is out now through Metal Blade. I can't wish you guys enough success. You're on Instagram, Ben dot Seeker. I'll give you a floor if you want to plug away yes. or say any other websites or any other thing here, but. Yeah, uh, well, uh, thanks for for having me on your show. It was it was great. I uh, totally enjoyed that. And uh, thanks for your support. Uh, thanks for supporting like smaller bands like us and everybody who listens to that. Uh, thanks for your interest and uh, support the death metal underground. Support your local scene. Um, that's super important. Go to concerts and uh, show up for the first band, not only for the headliner. And yeah, check out our record. Um, go grab it uh, if you enjoy that type of death metal. And uh, we really hope that as soon as the pandemic is over, we really get the chance to tour outside of our borders. And maybe someday we can come over to the U.S. and oh, play a tour there. That would be a blast. I would absolutely love that. I would absolutely love that. Ben, it is a uh, honor to speak to you. It's a pleasure. I love your guys' stuff. You have a fan here with me in nine circles, so I would do all I can to help spread the word of Seeker out there. But again, Ben, thank you for the time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. <laughs>